Well, today is uh, exactly four months since we celebrated Christmas together, and if you were with us for our Christmas Eve worship experience, you may remember that I went back to my boyhood home and our family farm, and I shot the whole Christmas message from there. And there was one particular scene in that particular video that we put together where I was with Caroline the donkey. Here's a picture of Caroline on the screen there for you. Now, I want you to notice that with Caroline, I'm holding her halter. And there was a very particular reason for that. And the reason was Caroline did not want to be there. She did not want to shoot this video. But yet we wanted her in the video. And so I drug her into the place. You know, I had this perfect spot, you know, with a hay bale there and everything. And, and I'm like trying to get her in a place, but she wanted to have her butt towards the camera. I'm like trying to move her around. Finally, I get her around, get her in the, the perfect place. But I realize, okay, I'm going to have to hold her the whole time and like get the cameras rolling real quick. And we get them rolling and I start shooting the video. And we ended up using that first take as the actual one in the video for you guys. I really wasn't pleased with how that had come out of my mouth, but I tried to do some other takes with it, but Caroline was not cooperating. Basically, she put her head down onto the ground there, and I could not lift her head up and keep it up there. So it was like, okay, we just got to go with that, that first take. In other words, what Caroline wanted, Caroline was going to get. <laughs> now, isn't it true that you and I can be the two-legged version of Caroline sometimes? that we get stubborn about things, that we're on the path and there's like the way we should go, but then there's the way that we want to go. There's the way that God says we should go. There's the way that all of our friends are saying that we should go. The people in our life group, wise people that are around us, they're all saying, you need to go this direction. But we're like, I want to go this way. And like Caroline the donkey, we get very, very stubborn and we decide, I know better than everybody else, and I'm going to have it my way. Now, I share all that because we're continuing today this series called The Path that we've been doing over these past couple weeks. And I share with you that, you know, this isn't just uh, based on the book of Proverbs. It's actually also based on a book that Andy Stanley wrote many years ago called The Principle of the Path. And he actually, in there, he, he describes why it is that, that we have this very stubborn sort of attitude. And I put it on your outline this way, if you're uh, sort of taking notes. And that is that in the morning, I don't wake up with a burning desire for truth. No, I wake up in a quest for happiness. What do you think? Is that true of you? In the morning, I don't wake up with this, this burning desire that, hey, I, I want to know the truth today. No, we wake up in a quest for happiness. You see this all the time. People go, my car, it is such a gas guzzler, so I need to go get a brand new car. And so they go out, and they can't afford it, but they, they get a $20,000 loan in order to get a car that they can't afford because it's a little bit more fuel efficient. Not realizing that, yes, you're saving $20 a week in gas, but do the math. It's going to take you 20 years to make up the difference for what you just spent for that car. But why did they do it? 
You could, you could present that truth to them, those facts. But we're not in a quest for truth. We're in a quest for happiness. Just basically use the, the gas thing as an excuse to get what I want to get. Same thing like with iPhones. You know, people go, man, my battery life on my phone's like really getting bad. So what do they do? They go out and spend $1,000 on a brand new iPhone instead of $60 for a battery replacement. You could present that truth to them, but guess what? They don't care. The battery was just an excuse. You know what they really wanted? I want to be happy. I want people to see me with the latest version of the iPhone. I want people to, to think that I'm really somebody. I'll be happy if people have this good impression of me. We're in a quest for happiness, not in a quest for truth. And that gets us in problems. We're like Caroline the donkey. More times we're in this, this quest for happiness than we are in the quest for the truth or what is right or what is pure or what is the God thing to do. And for the most part, it's because that path of happiness is like a path that's like right here and right now. I'll be happy now. Whereas the path for truth, a lot of times, that's going to give you happiness, but it's going to be down the line. It's going to be later on. We're like, no, I need to be happy, and I need to be happy right now. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with being happy, wanting to be happy. There's many good things that make you happy. Exercise. A lot of people actually get very happy when they exercise. That's a good thing for you. But what I'm trying to get you to see is there's a lot of things that we do in life that we have to choose. Am I going to choose the happiness path or am I going to choose the path of truth, the path of righteousness, the path that what God would have for me to do? We choose the wrong thing so many times. You know, people are like, oh, I can't be happy. Unless I go to Starbucks every day and spend $4 on my grande soy latte with four shots of espresso and add the extra whip. That's going to make me happy. And maybe it does, short term. But let me present you a little truth. This month, as Bill just shared with you, we're partnering once again with Compassion International. How many of you are familiar with Compassion International? Those of you online, you, you're familiar with Compassion? Compassion is such a fantastic organization. If you're not familiar with them, basically what you can do is you're essentially almost like adopting a child overseas, but for only $40 a month. And what you're providing for them is food, water, shelter, clothing, education, and they're presented the gospel. So you're giving them Jesus as well. Amazing organization. You say, what's going to make me happy is my $4 Starbucks every single day. But the truth of the matter is, you could sponsor two kids a month for what you're spending at Starbucks. You can brew your own coffee at home. I mean, ultimately, what... What's going to make you happier long-term? 
that you were able to help change the life and make a difference in the life of two children in a third world country with food, water, shelter, clothing, education, and Jesus? Or that you basically got all hopped up on one of the legal drugs that we have here in the United States? Long term, you know what the truth is, but you're not on a truth quest. You are on a happiness quest. Now, I know I'm spending a lot of time just sort of driving this home, but you, you need to understand this because this has to do with this whole thing that we've been talking about with the path. You remember what our big thought for the series is? If you don't, we're going to put it on the screens for you right now. Here, here's our, our big thought. My direction, not my intentions, determine my destination. Let's say it together. My direction, not my intentions, determine my destination. Now, the illustration I've been using with you throughout this whole series is Interstate 81, right behind me here. Who remembers? If you get on 81 and you keep heading north until you can't go on 81 north any further, where are you going to end up at? Remember what the town name is? Yeah, very good. Orleans. Orleans, New York. That is going to happen every single time. If you get on 81 and you just keep taking the path, you will end up in Orleans. And as I've been saying, this makes so much sense when it comes to, like, getting on a roadway. But when it comes to life, we so often forget this, that every single decision that you make is a pathway that you're taking, and pathways have very, very predictable destinations. You're always going to get to a very predictable destination. And so last week, I shared with you that, you know what? When you're on the path and you're headed towards a very predictable destination, if you realize you're on the wrong path and there's all these warning signs going, danger, 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 danger. Remember what Solomon said? The wise person does what? The wise person takes precautions and they change their path. But Solomon said the fool does what? The fool keeps on, keeps right on going. So we're going to continue along with this thought today. We're going to unpack it a little bit more of, okay, how do I make sure that I am on the right path? Because, you know, sometimes it's very obvious that, okay, danger, 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 danger. But there's other times that I'm, I'm just not quite sure. Am I on the right path or not? Well, thankfully, 3,000 years ago, Solomon answered this question for us. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 3 today. Welcome to those of you that are online. In the upper right-hand corner, there's a little thing there called Talk Notes. If you click that little button... That'll give you all the scriptures that we're going to be talking about today, as, long as, uh, as well as all the uh, points that I'm making. Those of you live here in the room with us, welcome to you as well. If you get out your smartphone, you can go to our website, exponential.church. You can get all the talk notes there as well. Proverbs chapter 3 is a very, very famous chapter of Proverbs. In fact, there's a couple verses that probably many of you already have memorized. We're going to look at seven of them here today all together. But the first two are the ones that like a lot of you are going to go, oh yeah, I've heard that, or I've got that one memorized. So here it is, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, Solomon writes this, trust in the Lord with what? With all of your heart, do not depend on your own understanding, seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which what? Which, which path to take. So right there it is. Solomon gives us the guidelines for how to know which path to take. And he gives us three different things there. What's he say? Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Don't 
depend on your own understanding and seek God's will. And then he's going to show you the path to take. Now, let's actually break each one of those down just real briefly. So what's it mean to, to trust God with all of your heart? Here's what's sort of ironic. You know what? Every single bill that you have in your purse or your wallet, if you pulled it out and you looked at it right now, on the back of it, it has the same words. In God, we trust. But actually, when it comes to Americans and finances, that's probably the thing that we trust God the least with, including many Christians. Right there on our currency, it says, in God we trust, that that's the first thing that we are supposed to do in life. Trust God in all things. Not some things, but trust God in all things. But yet oftentimes we don't. Solomon says, in every single thing that you do, in every single way, trust God. Because again, remember, every decision you make is a decision of which path you're taking. And so we've got to be very, very careful about this. And Solomon says, look, the challenge is to not depend on what your heart says is right or what you want to do or how you understand a situation to be. No, you've got to trust God fully. Trust him with your heart. Some of the absolute worst advice that you can get from somebody is this. Oh, sweetie, just go with your heart. Horrible advice. Don't go with your heart. Here's the reason why. Jeremiah tells us. Jeremiah 17, 9. He writes, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Now, sometimes your heart is in alignment with what God wants, but oftentimes it's not. Oftentimes we're more interested in the short-term satisfaction rather than the long-term benefit. As I said earlier, our mind and our heart, they they devise all kinds of excuses and reasons to to justify the decisions that we're making. Oh, well, you know, my car, it's such a gas guzzler. Oh, my iPhone battery, you know, it's, it's getting really bad right now. See what your heart is doing? It's devising wicked schemes. It's coming up with reasons to justify making bad decisions. And Solomon says, don't depend on your own understanding. Don't trust your own motivations. Don't trust your own intentions. Instead, acknowledge God and ask him to make your path clear. Now, Jesus actually said a very, very similar thing in Matthew 6, Here's what Jesus says. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So Solomon says, trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's Solomon. Jesus is saying, seek the kingdom of God first his righteousness. Then all these things will be given to you. They're saying the exact same thing, that it all starts with seeking after God, understanding that he knows more than what you know. So here's my question today. Have you done that? Are you trusting God with everything, with your whole heart? And I'm not just talking about salvation today. Because I know as I look around this room, and I'm assuming many of you online, you've already trusted Jesus for your salvation. You've already made him the, the savior. The, 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 you've, you've asked him to, to be the forgiver of your sins. You, you've done that. What I'm talking here today is the lordship of Jesus, making him the leader of your life. Have you fully given him everything in that way? 
You see, for, for many people, what, what salvation is, it's, it's like you've invited Jesus into the living room of your life. Right, right? Think about it when you have people over to your house. Isn't the living room the first room that you let them in? It's not until later that maybe they're able to get to your kitchen or down into your basement or something like that. The, the living room's a very safe room. And unfortunately, that's how many people treat Jesus. They want all the benefits of Jesus. Oh, I want to hang out with Jesus, Jesus, but you can only stay here in the living room. What I'm asking you today is, have you invited Jesus into the bedroom? In other words, have you invited Jesus into your sexuality? Have you invited Jesus into your kitchen where he's able to see everything that you're eating and everything that you're drinking? Have you invited him into your office where he's able to see everything you're looking at on the computer and how you're handling all of the finances that he's entrusted you with? Have you invited him into the closet where you keep all the secret things hidden? Have you invited Jesus in in every single way and in every single thing that you do? Have you truly made him not just Savior, but Lord as well? Not just the forgiver of your sins, but the leader of your entire life. Look, if we want to override that, that sort of happiness bias, that we're on this quest for happiness, you've got to give him everything. Because again, your heart is deceitfully wicked, and it's going to come up with all kinds of other ways and things to do that just aren't God's way. So we got to trust God's word more than our brain. we got to trust God's spirit more than our heart. Again, you got to ask yourself, what path am I on right now? What path am I on? Am I seeking him? Am I trusting him? Am I not depending on my own understanding? Am I seeking his will in every single thing that I do? It's a big question. Because if you're not, you're headed for disaster. Now Solomon continues on then in Proverbs chapter 3 with these words, verses 7 and 8, and he says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. If you do, it will be like good medicine, healing your wounds and easing your pains. Basically what Solomon's saying, look, don't ever get to the place where you think, oh, I don't need God. I don't need to consult God about this. I don't need to pray about this. I've done this a thousand times in the past. I've heard many sermons on this. I've taken all the classes. In fact, I've even taught other people about this. I've consulted other people about this. I've got this one in the bag. Solomon says, don't do that. Don't get impressed with your own wisdom. Always consult God every single time in every single situation because every decision you make is a decision where you can't think that you know it all because it's a brand new decision. Yes, you have some experiences from your past that can help, but this is a brand new decision. And so you got to trust God for that. Consult him. Continuing on, verses 9 to 10. Solomon says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first and best part of your income. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be overflowing with new wine. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've talked about it a lot in the past, but a major part of making sure that you're on the right path and that God is blessing you in every single area of life it's going to depend on what are you doing with the money he's entrusted you with? Are you being faithful with that? Earlier, I talked with you about how easily our heart can get deceived and how it'll get us off the path, how it'll get us 
off track. Here's what Jesus has to say about this in Matthew 6, 21. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. Let me say that again. Listen to the words of Jesus. Your heart, remember your heart, which is deceitfully wicked. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. See, when you're not handling money God's way, it means your heart has been deceived. And you're off the track. And you're going to get into trouble. It means you're on the wrong path. Not just when it comes to finances, but in every single area of life as well. So what I'm trying to say to you is when you get your financial house in order, it's amazing how all the other things in your life will start to fall in order as well. I've seen it time and time and time again that when somebody starts to honor God fully with their income, with their wealth, everything else starts to fall into place. Until you get that right, everything else is probably leading you down the wrong path. And so Jesus says it, Solomon says it, many other writers of Scripture say it, that to prove that you have control over your finances and, and your finances don't have control over you, you got to learn to give generously. And I've shared with you in the past that generosity doesn't even start with the first dollar that you give, because the first dollar you give isn't even giving, it's returning. In fact, it's not even the first dollar, it's the first 10%. It's called the tithe. Tithe simply means 10%. 10% of all of your income belongs to God, and you're just giving that back to Him. Generosity starts at 11%, 12%, and on. So if you want to know if I'm on the right path or not, this is a big part of it again, this whole financial piece of it, this tithing thing. Again, tithe simply means 10%. And where are you supposed to give that 10%? You're supposed to give it back to your local church. Now, here's the thing. Anytime I say that, I know, I'm just being honest, I know that sounds very self-serving, right? You're like, well, of course you want us to give to the church. That's how you get a paycheck. You're right. I, too, get a paycheck from the church. Thank you for your generosity. However, here's the deal. I've set up two things through the years, or we have two things, so that you know that I want this more for you than it's for me. Here's the first thing. We do what's called the 90-day tithe challenge here. If you are currently not tithing to Exponential, and you're like, I'm not sure about all this, you know, giving 10% of my income, the first and the best, you know, and all that, that, like Solomon said, I'm not so sure about that. The 90-day tithe challenge is simply this. Contact us first, because there's a little bit of paperwork to, to fill out for it. But you tithe for 90 days, and at the end of 90 days, if God hasn't proven himself faithful in a way that we know that his word says that he will, then we'll give you all your money back. That's how much we believe in tithing. I've offered this challenge now for all 21 years, and I've had many people take me up on it through the years. You know how many people have asked for their money back? Zero. You know why? Because of the story after story after story. In fact, we have some on our website of people's testimonies saying, man, I wasn't so sure about this, but I started to tithe, and God threw open the floodgates of heaven and poured out so much blessing on me that we didn't have room enough to contain it all. And that's not always financial either. 
That's other areas of life. Again, when you get your financial house in order, everything else falls into place for you. The other thing that I'll tell you to do is you're like, well, I, I still didn't even want to do that. I don't want to give it to Expedent. I don't trust you, Gilbert. That's fine. Give it to another church then. I don't care where it goes. I want what's best for you. For those of you online, I want what's best for you as well. So give it, give it somewhere else. Because what I'm trying to say to you is, other than my decision to follow Jesus, July 27th, 93, when I made that decision, the second most important decision that Lisa and I made was that we were going to tithe. And I can't tell you what a blessing that has been for us and how God has just over and over and over again just poured out so much blessing that we couldn't even contain it all. Solomon then continues in Proverbs 3, 11 to 12, and he says, My child, do not reject the Lord's discipline, and don't be upset when he corrects you. The Lord corrects everyone he loves, just as parents correct the child they dearly love. You know, when you're a kid and your parents discipline you, you thought, that's unfair. That's not right. You hate me. And it wasn't until later on in life, when you got a little older, or maybe even when you became a parent yourself, that you went, oh, okay, now I understand it. They, they weren't disciplining me because they hate me. They were disciplining me because they love me, and they were able to see a bigger picture than what I'm able to see. They were able to see further down the path than what I could. They were able to see danger further up ahead. But I wanted to keep on going. I was like Caroline the donkey. I was stubborn. I kept going. And they're like, man, you better stop or I'm going to beat you. <laughs> now, you know I'm speaking that figuratively, right? We shouldn't, you should discipline your children, you should not beat your children. You should never discipline your children in anger. Discipline is for a purpose. It's to help to learn a lesson. Remember Solomon talked about that last week. The fools just keep on going, so they need to be disciplined so that they learn, learn a lesson. So we, we understand that when it comes like with, with our kids and stuff, but we've got to understand it's the same with, with God. God is a good and loving Father. And yes, sometimes there's going to be things that come into your life that you're like, I don't like this. God hates me. Blah, 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 blah. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. And sometimes he's allowing his loving discipline to come into your life because he needs to get you back on the right path. So what I'm saying is don't whine about it. Don't complain about it. Instead, pray and ask, God, what is it you want me to be learning here? Because I don't like what's happening right now. So what do you need me to learn? What do you need me to learn about you? What do you need me to learn about myself? What do you need me to learn about what your will is for this particular situation? And then get on the right path and start going the right way. Again, whatever it is that he's asking you to do, just remember that he is a good and loving father. He's going to help to steer you in the right direction all the time. So Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek God in everything that you do, and he will direct your path. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. Next week, I, I want to invite you to come back because 
You know, when we're on the path, it isn't always easy. And sometimes things happen and you need a little roadside assistance, so to speak. And so we're going to talk about that. What's it mean to get some roadside assistance as you're walking along the path? Two other things I want to encourage you to do. Keep going through the book of Proverbs. Read a chapter every single day. Again, there's uh, the uh, 30 chapters in there. And so if you just keep reading them, uh, you'll be able to complete it there in an entire month. So keep doing that. And if you haven't been a part of a life group yet, I encourage you to go to our website or talk to somebody and get in part of a life group. That's part of what we'll talk about next week. How do you get some roadside assistance? Well, sometimes you need somebody else to come along and help you to change the flat tire of your life that you have going on right now. All right, that makes sense? All right, let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for this day and this opportunity to come together to once again to, to worship you and, and to look at your word and just see the, the wisdom that is found in this book of uh, Proverbs. And Lord, help us to not be on a happiness quest anymore. Again, not that happiness is wrong, but help us to be on a truth quest, to say, God, what is it that you would have for me to do that is true and right and noble and pure and lovely and admirable? And Lord, we know that long term, that's going to be what's best, but oftentimes we're still so caught up in that short term. So Lord, help us to, to take our eyes off of that short term happiness and fix our eyes fully on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Lord, we thank you that you came not just to forgive us of our sin, but you came to lead us through the power of your Holy Spirit as well. And so I just pray that each and every one of us, whether we're here live or we're, we're uh, watching online or watching online at a future date, that as we hear these words that I'm speaking, that your spirit would be convicting us. Is there any area of my life that I know I'm on the wrong path but yet I'm like Caroline the donkey and I keep being stubborn and I want to go my own way. Lord, it's in those situations we just need to let it go and give it fully to you and say, Jesus, I surrender all. It's not going to be about me. It's all about you. Spirit, lead me and guide me and direct me into the path that you would have me to take, the path of your will, the path of your righteousness. Lord, we know that when we do that, Jesus, you promise that then all the other things in our life are going to fall into place. Thank you, Jesus. I can speak from personal experience. You did that for me. You've done that for many people that are here, many people that are watching online. Help us to be an inspiration then to others, to fully give our lives over to you every single day and in every single way. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.